Hello Rebels, I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my Wednesday night show, The Gun Show. However, this is the internet, so you can watch or listen to this show whenever you feel like it. Tonight my guest is Marty Gold. He's an independent Winnipeg journalist. Now, if you like listening to the show, then I promise you're going to love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on Rebel News. Subscribers get access to my show, as well as other great TV-style shows too, like Ezra's Nightly, Ezra Levant Show, and David Menzies' fun Friday night show, Rebel Roundup. It's only 8 bucks a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for my podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new Rebel News Plus membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. That's a heck of a deal. Just go to rebelnews.com slash subscribe to become a member and please leave a five-star review on this podcast or subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast why because those reviews are a great way to support rebel news and help other people find our podcast without ever having to spend a dime and now please enjoy this free audio only version of my show Justin Trudeau is proceeding with his cruel and inhumane carbon tax in the midst of the worst economic downturn in maybe a hundred years but one province is putting their carbon tax on ice. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show. It's April Fool's Day, and of course, the head April Fool in Ottawa, Justin Trudeau, is giving us all a big gift of higher prices on, well, literally everything due to a 50% hike in the carbon tax. With the coronavirus pandemic shutting down and shutting in everything and everyone and grinding our entire economy to a halt, can you name me any other world leader that would be raising taxes in the middle of all of this? When 1 million people in Canada filed for unemployment benefits in just one week? Even Manitoba a province that was set to bring in their own carbon tax to comply with Justin Trudeau's demands is canceling their carbon tax that they were going to bring in today. So I thought there's no better time now than to bring on to the show independent Manitoba-based journalist Marty Gold to talk about what the coronavirus is up to in Manitoba and how his province is pumping the brakes on a carbon tax. So joining me now from his home in Winnipeg is Marty Gold in an interview we recorded yesterday afternoon. From his home in Winnipeg is my friend Marty Gold from the J.ca. Marty, thanks for joining me. I thought I'd bring you in um, first off to talk about um, some of the numbers coming out of Manitoba with regard to the coronavirus. Sure. Um, as of Tuesday, at uh, the one o'clock press conference on uh, Tuesday that's uh, held by the uh, I guess he's a pub, the medical officer for health, I think is what he's called, Brent Rusin, uh, and uh, his ABLE staff. Uh, Manitoba had recorded 103 total diagnosed or suspected cases, three in hospital, two in ICU. There previously had been one in hospital that was discharged. We've still only recorded one death, 
attributed to the condition. One of the new infected cases, this is up, I think, from Monday to Tuesday, this would have been up seven cases. Um, one of the newly reported cases uh, is an employee uh, with the uh, Selkirk Regional Health Center. So this is the first time that somebody has been identified as working at a healthcare facility. I'm trying to figure out how to word this, but you get the right. idea. Yeah. Your right. audience does. Um, we here uh, have recorded, you know, very low numbers. I think similar in a lot of cases, really in a lot of cases in the uh, Midwest. Um, I don't, and I haven't looked in a couple of days, I admit, but, you know, the numbers in places like Saskatchewan, Wyoming, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Manitoba, Montana, Iowa, uh, I, I last I looked, we're, you know, Mar it's sort of like uh, all trends that start at the coasts and south and then work their way up. So by the time something fashionable gets to Winnipeg, it's already been out there for three years. Uh, this is something I learned in the around the clothing business in the 19, early 90s in Winnipeg. Uh, and so once again, we're thankfully, you know, behind the, the great wave. Um, we're lucky in that we um, don't have dense population. We don't have, you know... Uh, uh, subway platforms people are standing on and, and such and, and so it's been very controlled uh, I can go through the controls sure. uh, that, that have gone on the premier uh, has been holding a daily press conference uh, they moved the time uh, this week so it wouldn't conf uh, coincide with the prime minister's uh, performances uh, the government has taken a number of measures the Manitoba government the Palliser government uh, suspending rent increases and and uh, and evic eviction hearings, so that even if you, for instance, don't pay your rent for April or May, they, they can't even uh, try to schedule, schedule get you on the schedule before May thirty first. So the hearing wouldn't be till like July or August at this rate. Um, there's a a really well known Winnipeg landlord who has tried to sidestep the the uh, edict by saying that because the residential tenancies branch has not given out any uh, direction about how not to implement rent increases that are already approved. What this company proposed to do was to enact the rent increase. They put it like a notice up in the laundry room like a day ago or two days ago. And I think this building is either downtown or in Osborne Village. That uh, since we have no direction from the government, from the department, uh, the branch, we're going to increase your rent as scheduled and then we'll refund it to you. Jeff Keel of CTV, a good guy, raised this. Uh, uh, I mean, that's not a question that's in lockstep with where most of the rest of the media questions go. And Jeff was a great guy, uh, raised it with the premier on Tuesday. And Pallister was caught unawares by this and uh, pronounced that he was unimpressed that this would not have been uh, reflecting. It's not in the spirit of the legislation. It's, you know, it, I... I it's sleazy, let's be real, it's sleazy. I, I guess the concern from the landlord's point of view is if you don't enact the rent increase at the beginning, you know, when you say you will, yeah. then how do you know for sure the government's going to let you do it later? Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's just didn't reflect well. I'm being nice and not naming the company. It's a very well-known uh, landholder in Winnipeg, but it could be that the highest echelons who are going to, you know, they're going to get covered in the goo for this, and they may not realize where this decision was made in middle management or something, so I'm erring on the side of caution and not naming them. Uh, anyways, obviously, Pallister government, uh, being alerted to that, uh, 
I'm sure they're going to take some action to preclude that. Um, uh, uh, also, this week, the, uh, uh, the government uh, has um, lifted the restrictions so that uh, uh, restaurant orders, takeout and delivery orders can uh, be adorned with your favorite kind of liquid libation uh, at the regular menu prices that uh, restaurants charge. Um, Jeff Klaus of Little Bones Wings, who's uh, an entrepreneur that I mentioned to you privately uh, with his uh, hands guiding a couple of different businesses. But with regards to Little Bones Wings, which is an award-winning company in Winnipeg for its uh, its product, and uh, it's got now some retail coverage, including on, I think it's Safeway shelves in uh, freezers, actually, uh, wings and chicken tenders in uh, in Alberta, as well as in Manitoba. And he said, really, what the, that sector needs isn't so much liquor sales, which is nice, but it actually needs support with cleaning supplies uh. and and sanitation supplies. Uh, and Jeff has a very good relationship, I know firsthand, with a number of uh, cabinet members and uh, cabinet members and caucus members of the Conservative government of Manitoba. They've attended the restaurant and the uh, the bar upstairs. The restaurant's located in a uh, in the basement of the Royal George. An awful lot of members of Conservative uh, government have dined and feasted on on that. And uh, Jeff is hope is hoping that the uh, the, because he's a respected figure and he's speaking on behalf of other restaurants as well, uh, that, that the government will sort of take heed. They have the buying power, the ability to make those kinds of purchases and, and enact that kind of distribution. Um, look, I didn't get, personally, I didn't get my own hands on uh, uh, wipes and on gloves until 10 minutes before we filmed this when my sister unexpectedly arrived at my doorstep with a care package, which, yes, included uh, toilet paper as well. Um, so it is in short supply. Like, I, you know, I haven't yeah. gone on an intensive hunt. I'm just me here. You know, I, I, I've got contact with a limited number of, of uh, people um, uh, the way that – and my lifestyle is like this where I'm, you know, work on my own a lot unless I go to a mm -hmm. city council meeting or something like that. I don't work in an office environment very often. When I go to clients' offices perhaps and even – even those have, uh, you know, five or ten employees tops. So for me, this hasn't been bad. But for a restaurant that wants to provide reassurance to their customers as they come in or to the look, the uh, skip the dishes and the DoorDash drivers, I don't know what services necessarily are active in, in, in Alberta. Uh, you know, they want to provide reassurance and they're doing everything they can. And, and uh, Jeff Klaus making that, uh, that uh, request through the free press and interviewing the free press on the weekend uh, to the Manitoba government, I hope that they uh, that they recognize that they can provide support to a sector that they are urging to stay open. Now, having said that, said that, there's a number of sectors as of Tuesday that were told that starting on April 1st they'd be closed for a period of two weeks. The no, so-called non-essential services, which what isn't really a lot of businesses in Manitoba. It, it seems to me that Dollarama, for instance, because it carries groceries, because it carries. Uh, hardware that they'll be exempt is an example places like that but massage uh, uh, um, uh, providers massage treatment uh, facilities uh, physiotherapists uh, uh, I guess the word I was trying to uh, figure out uh, salons barbers uh, they call them in that anymore but there are about 10 barbershops still in Winnipeg those kinds of places are closed uh, uh, now for 14 days uh, public gatherings limited to 10 people and, and have been uh, uh, actually since uh, Monday uh, no more than 10 people at uh, indoor-outdoor places or premises, and that includes uh, uh, weddings and funerals. My, I didn't mention this to you, I don't think. My, the, the family matriarch, my grandfather's 
uh, remaining sister, and she was the youngest of the family, passed away at the age of 95. She'd had a mild heart attack uh, in in February and, and was at the Grace Hospital and got out of the Grace Hospital, went back to the, uh, uh, the Shaftesbury where she had resided for a number of years, but did not rally. Her daughter had happened to my, this would be my dad's first cousins, okay, just to explain generationally. Um, her granddaughter had been in from Vermont uh, when this happened, and uh, uh, her son flew in from Toronto. He's a, uh, a cardiologist, if I remember correctly, he's a cardiologist. Uh, her other son resides in Winnipeg, who's a, a, a long time, I, I think he's probably retired now, but he was a school principal and school teacher, and they were all by uh, Andy Rifka's side when she passed. But I, the funeral was private, it was kept to. Her children, the grandchildren, my sister, who was the funeral uh, director, and my grandfather's uh, remaining son in Winnipeg, my uh, my uncle. And so, you know, Auntie Rifka, who usually, mine is 95, so I, she outlasted a lot of her compatriots. But a funeral where you might have expected 75 to 100 people, uh, owing to her standing in the community, her years of philanthropy, uh, her, her social, uh, you know, she was... Um, her and Uncle Zalman were a very respected couple. Uncle Zalman had been in the insurance business for a number of years. His father actually was. Uh, on top of that, the her family, the family she married into, were actually cousins of ours. Anyways, Auntie Rivka passed away, and, and there was only you know, 10 or 12 people. And one of our cousins, who's a cantor, actually performed the ceremony as opposed to a rabbi. So I've, I've learned firsthand, because I didn't see it firsthand. My son and I were not able to attend uh, Auntie Rivka's passing. Uh, but this is this is the kind of effect that it's had even on my own family. Uh, this uh, the current situation, uh, the uh, government restrictions um, uh, have been generally well accepted. There's incidents of you know kids, teenagers like playing basketball, stuff like that. It's kind of causing other parents to flip out, and with good reason. You've got a five, a seven-year-old, a ten-year-old. You're out for a walk or a bike ride. There's, you know, five or ten kids playing basketball, and the little kids, they want to know why the big kids are able to go play. Yeah. And and so there is a failure to some extent of parental guidance, perhaps. Um, uh, but, but so far, it's been well-received. I, I don't know if it's a reflection that people in Winnipeg are not confrontational with authority, uh, necessarily. Um, I'm not sure what it reflects in terms of our psyche, but so far people are going along with it. Now, the rest of the province, again, I mentioned that I think that uh, that our risk level, generally speaking, for the average Manitoban is low. Uh, we've got, you know, small population bases. The second biggest place the province is technically the U of M uh, in Winnipeg, and then the third biggest is Brandon. Uh, but there was one story I wanted to reflect from Flin Flon, Manitoba, sure. where a friend of mine is the uh, does morning radio up there uh, and is still... Uh, uh, he was even an essential service. He was quite thrilled, actually, to find out the communication communications uh, workers, uh, which I thought would be meant like you know Wichita linemen uh, and an internet service guy. So it turns out it means broadcasters and and journalists as well. Yeah. In Flin Flon, a mother took to Facebook. I think it was on Monday, and put it right out there. We've got a case in Flin Flon. It's my daughter. Here's what happened. The daughter had gone to Cancun with her boyfriend on March the sixth. So we can presume that the daughter's you know, 20 to 25, went to Cancun with the boyfriend, returned on March 13th, was not asked any questions from customs about their health, was not uh, screened whatsoever, was not told to self-isolate. The boyfriend played uh, 
a hockey game. I assume it was an indoor rink in Flin Flon or Creighton, perhaps the adjacent Saskatchewan community. On March 14th, uh, so on the Saturday, so came back on the Friday, they went to the Unwinder, a popular watering hole in Flin Flon. The next day, on the Sunday, the government, Mandela government asked international travelers to quarantine themselves. They did so. She, the daughter, lost her sense of taste and smell. And I guess had noticed online, because it has not been widely distributed by yeah. health authorities in Canada, that this is a, a precursor uh, symptom. Uh, she recognized it. She got tested, as did her boyfriend. She came back positive. That was her only symptom. Uh, the mother wanted to get it out ahead of the curve uh, because, you know, her daughter and the boyfriend had come back from Mexico and had socialized. And I don't know them. I don't know how, you know, a lot of people from this country, including two officials from Manitoba, if I'm remembering correctly, Winnipeg Regional Health Authority, went on vacation to Australia in the first week of March. So when your average, uh, I don't want to call her a hipster, but this young couple from Flin Flon, they went on vacation they're only as dumb, if it was a dumb thing to do, I'm not saying it is, but if it was deemed a dumb thing to do, they're only as dumb as some of the highest echelon health officials in Manitoba who did the same kind of thing. Or, on the or Sophie Trudeau. Well, Sophie, see, Sophie, you know, what I, what I question about that one, along with a lot of other questions, that was a <laughs> Wee Day event. Yeah. Now, why anybody thinks that Sophie uh, Trudeau is... Uh, is a significant enough figure to have it any kind of a wee day event outside of Canada yeah is absolutely preposterous yeah but she took the junket with her mother-in-law so Margaret was there and the children I don't know if they've been I still haven't heard for sure that they were or were not tested uh, but somebody else who was seen in a picture with her fist uh, supposedly famous actor I'd never heard of before this came up he tested positive God only knows how. Uh, meanwhile, the prime minister, the erstwhile alleged beau of said Sophie, uh, has not come I down know. with his own symptoms. The one point that the mother and Flynn Flynn wanted to make before we move on was the social shaming, social media shaming, she meant, has to stop. And in that regard, you know, when there, when there wasn't an edict from the government, and this reflects on the, the government and Dr. Tam, but when the government wasn't telling Canadians, don't go anywhere, at the beginning of March, the end of February, I, I agree with the mother. It's it's very hard. Like I said, when your top-ranking health officials in Manitoba were taking off to Australia, I'm not so inclined to start, you know, jumping mm -hmm. up and down on people from Flin Flon that wanted to get out and go to Mexico for a week on a trip that they was not spur of the moment that they had planned for some time. There's a lot of people in that boat now. Most recently, I uh, I mentioned the premier has health briefings uh, has briefings every day. The uh, health officials, chief uh, medical officer of health, has uh, a briefing, and he, he said on Tuesday that wearing masks is not useful if you're worried to stay home and that they provide a false sense of security. I, I saw the look on your face. Well, uh, it takes uh, uh, this resulted in a bit of a discussion when a reporter, I think it might have been a CBC reporter, mentioned this, uh, that a... Uh, uh, People on Twitter are pointing out uh, Leonard Kaplan, a former cab driver who's uh, well known to me, that you know you look at the rates of infection in places like Hong Kong and Taiwan, they're all wearing masks. Yeah. Maybe the problem here is the doctor can't admit we just have a shortage of masks and doesn't want to cause a stampede uh, towards it. Uh, and so there is a question of whether Manitoba Health was prepared. Now, in terms of the city of Winnipeg, uh, uh, aside from the 
reaction of the province of Manitoba. The city of Winnipeg was very slow. Mayor Bowman got off on a very bad footing when early on uh, Manitoba, uh, Winnipeg Transit had no plans to increase the cleaning of their buses. Oh, my Lord. At this, point, at this point, people found out that they don't clean the buses very often. They might sweep it out, but they don't actually sanitize it very often. And there was a firestorm directed at Mayor Bowman and Transit. Uh, that course was reversed. The mayor's got a, a bunch of other political problems. Uh, th they keep losing, like the, the legal department here needs our total bumbling incompetence. Was there a lawyer on Green Acres? Do you remember on the <laughs> series Green Because if there was, he probably ended up running the legal department, you know, uh, in the city of Winnipeg. Uh, uh, they missed a filing deadline a couple of years ago for a third $20 million lawsuit over, over uh, terrible problems with the wastewater uh, uh, treatment plant. They missed the filing deadline. The city fired the lawyer they said was responsible. It should have been the head of the legal department who was responsible. They fired that lawyer, who I was never a big fan of. She sued for wrongful dismissal. They had to settle out of court. Last summer, the city was in contempt, found in contempt of court, a city councilor committee, like a regional committee, uh, when they failed to hold a hearing for an application for the Parker Lands, which is a development relating to uh, the, the uh, bus rapid transit line. So you've got missed deadlines for filing court, important lawsuits for $20 million, this million-dollar land development deal, they're in contempt of court on that. They just lost an, an arbitration hearing, a resounding defeat uh, at the hands of the Winnipeg Police Association when they tried, when they passed a bylaw to, to uh, unilaterally change police pensions. Just what you want to do in a time of crisis, piss off the police, right? Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying the pension plan doesn't need to be revisited, but they just tried to do it arbitrarily and argued in court well, you know, we did a little something in 2006 and the police didn't say anything. And on every point, I read the arbitration ruling, every point the arbitrator the arbitrator wrote the ruling said, that's not proof of anything. They're wrong. That doesn't show that the police association was going along with this presumption of, of uh, all power over this contract. Just terrible problems that Mayor Bowman has on top of what's going on here. And, and to add to that, this week, Councillor Edie, Ross Edie, who represents an inner city North End ward, has written to council and the mayor asking for a state of emergency to be declared over junk being dumped in yards and laneways. Uh, his assistant, a really good good buddy of mine, uh, uh, Aaron McDowell, I've known since he worked in a beer vendor, actually. Aaron's his assistant and, and went out and videotaped back lanes in Minarski and Point Douglas wards. Uh, Edie represents uh, Minarski, Point Douglas is adjacent to it. Uh, and there's junk piled up in the back lanes of the Duffer neighborhood, the William White neighborhood. Uh, bylaw enforcement uh, knows this is going on. There's also problems in a couple of other neighborhoods in Elmwood and St. Vitale. Uh, Councillor Gilroy, who's on executive policy committee, one of Mayor Bowman's inner circle, circles, Cindy constantly, and, and Ross apparently constantly hear fires being set by this, you know, bulk waste uh, fires. Last year it was so bad that people on the same side were like yelling at each other because there was no efficient way of dealing with it. And the director of community service said they can't go on a private property to haul these mattresses and stuff off. Councillor Edie pointed out in his letter that there's landlords are getting junk dumped on their yards that aren't coming from their own tenants. And that, that the mayor can, uh, similar to what Mayor Cates did in 2012, 
the American declare a state of emergency. This would enable city workers under the direction of a bylaw officer going up and down the lanes, pointing at a yard, going, hey, get that mattress. Hey, that Chesterfield's got to go and start clearing some of this out. And Councillor Eady making the point, uh, and he signed his letter sincerely and desperately. This is a city councillor making this plea that they should be dealing with this now as the snow melts. That's traditionally firebug season here in Winnipeg. And before police and fire departments are swamped with COVID-related calls. So Councillor Eady trying to get ahead of the curve uh, in terms of what can be done for the city of Winnipeg. Um, One other thing that I wanted to go back to with you, uh, maybe we can have a a brief discussion of this point. Um, uh, we have the, the uh, Brent Rusin here, Dr. Rusin, saying that uh, masks aren't effective. I know that uh, you have determined that you have a, you know, you have a different point of view on that. Yeah. And, and I, we, we touched on this briefly yesterday when we were setting this interview up. Um, is our country not faced with a choice between 37 million tests or 37 million masks? I think that it is not one or the other. I, I think um, it, we will probably have easier access to masks before testing um and i think that we've had a serious mixed message from the powers that be and i think you're right when you point out that uh, they're downplaying the efficacy of masks for the common person because there is absolutely a shortage because our idiot stick of a prime minister sent them to china uh, in the midst of their COVID crisis, when the masks are actually made in China, for the most part, except for now that the United States is uh, calling on private industry to retool their factories yeah. to, to produce these things, something we are really not seeing a lot of in Canada. 3M, Jockey, My Pillow, um, a, a whole host of companies are manufacturers. Manufacturers are just turning on turning on a dime, retooling their factories to produce. Um, medical supplies, ventilators, and all kinds of other equipment. We're not seeing a lot of that happening here. I know Canada Goose is uh, creating like medical coveralls, I think. Um, but not a lot of that happening here. Um, I think the, uh, I know Hong Kong did a lot of um, testing of anybody who wanted it and then isolation of people who um, tested positive and they were doing that while people were asymptomatic. I think that's the the real danger time. And I think masks are a good way to deal with that. If you are asymptomatic, so you're not showing any symptoms, but you are positive, you have no idea that you're positive, uh, wearing a mask protects the world from you. And uh, so I do think there's a, there is a benefit to the public to be wearing masks. Uh, however, I think it's a cultural thing. You and I were talking yesterday when we were setting up this interview. Um, in uh, Hong Kong and Taiwan, it, there's a, it's a cultural courtesy to wear a mask. It's like holding a door open for a lady here. Um, you are showing your fellow Taiwanese citizen that you care about their health, so you're wearing a mask, and that you care about yours. It's like washing your hands when you come out of a bathroom. You want to make a big production of it so everybody knows you're washing your hands. That's the same thing with wearing masks there. Um, And I think uh, that might be the real thing that we have to overcome in Canada is that we're not accustomed to doing these kinds of things. It's not ingrained in us. Well, it's Um, not just that, though. In in Winnipeg, uh, 
in Winnipeg, if people start are walking around wearing masks, that's just not going to go over very well with the yeah. average person on the street. Never mind, you know, in, in, uh, for, for vendors, retailers, you know, yeah. it, it's it's it, it to me, it's so against the grain of of our Western culture yeah. uh, that true. I don't know that you can ever really make it acceptable. Uh, you know, this was part of a broader discussion about, you know, how things are could change in the in the short term and, and also in the long term. We talked about, for instance, the prospect of a lockdown. Yeah. Uh, essentially, what everybody's going through now is, is you know, two steps short of a full lock of a martial law lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing how many people don't know how to spell martial, by the way. <laughs> that stuns me. Uh, I know. But. But the idea here in Winnipeg, as I mentioned to you yesterday, that Manitobans, if this thing has a bad spike, not anticipated, but if there's just a, 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 a this goes off like some, uh, you know, bulk waste blaze in the North End, in yeah. an art ward, and people are told you got to stay in and there's curfews and whatever. There's a curfew in Ecuador, as a friend of, of mine mm-hmm. from Winnipeg, stuck in Ecuador right now, and uh, the curfew there is 2 p.m. Holy yeah, so I guess that gets hot in the afternoon there anyways this time of year. And, and Have a so, siesta. Yeah, so it's siesta time anyways. So you get, go out, go to the market, get your chicken, pluck mm-hmm. the feathers, you know, get your, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I don't know what, the, what the native kind of uh, vegetables and fruit are down there. And then they're indoors from 2 o'clock on. If this were to extend in Winnipeg past the end of April into May, Victoria Day, and you've got people who... Never mind from the the uh, the traditional underclasses, the underemployed, the unemployed, the welfare class, etc., that are used to not having a lot of not having a lot of you know bright spots in their life on a day to day basis. Now everybody's broke. Nothing's open. There's nowhere to go. They're stuck in their place. They're in a brownstone apartment building on Toronto or Victor or Beverly. I'm mentioning those streets for the benefit of people that know what Winnipeg's like. And they got no air conditioning. This is not going to work very easily, if at all, yeah. in Winnipeg. We we are not, a, you know, the government is not about to open a depot and start handing out, you know, eight-inch electric fans, you know, yeah. you know, one one per household. It would be catastrophic sociologically if in Manitoba people are locked up. May, June, like through Canada Day, uh, it, it, it would, I, 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 I think that something like that, and I, I don't know what it would be like necessarily in Saskatchewan or Alberta, BC, absolutely unworkable. Yeah. I can't see people there putting up with being cooped up under government order. You know, I, I, yeah. I it might be something like the, honestly, it might be something like the black, have to be something. You know, if it was approaching the level of the Black Death, where half of, half of Europe was wiped out in like four years, I think it was. Sure, people see death all around them. Then it's like, oh, sh- sh- pardon my French, I'll stay home. I don't think if the, the numbers don't get like that, I don't know that people are going to buy into the necessity, a necessity, to be locked into their own into their own places. Um, I, but you know, obviously, the hope is here. That because of our smaller population base and various uh, checkpoints and other things, that we'll be able to come out of it relatively unscathed. I mean, for right now, one death and only four. One of the hospital cases I forgot to mention um, was 
a fall like a false positive. Yeah. Uh, I happen to have been given the contact information on that individual. And I'm going to be trying to uh, get a hold of them and do an interview with them. So our numbers are just so low that we're really hoping that, that it's not going to be, we're not going to end up with extreme measures such as are required in New York, New Jersey, uh, not yet in Chicago. California. But yeah. Chicago, Detroit, I, I understand, is a mess right yeah. now. Uh, this ultimately is a big, um, the big middle finger to the, uh, the urban visionaries and their, their dreams of density yeah. and... Uh, you know, this vision of the future where we're piled on top of each other like cordwood. Uh, it's it's very plain now that when people say they want space, that they want affordable space, that there's a reason why people have single family dwellings. Right? Yep. And you know who's been really quiet through all this? The urbanist crowd, the 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 uh, uh, the uh, global warming crowd. Yep. There's a lot of silence from that from from that side of uh, that side of the equation. Global warming. Before I forget, we want to talk about carbon tax. Yes, yes, please. Um, the on March the fifth, the uh, Manitoba government announced a plan. It was a combination of an election promise by Premier Pallister to lower the provincial sales tax, which is ridiculously uh, too high for reasons I won't get into now. Uh, uh, but you know, governments get addicted to having money to spend. Mm -hmm. uh, it was going to be lowered from 7% to 6%. He had, he had made that promise, and he had combined this rollback with an announcement of a made-in-Manitoba carbon tax. Again, I remind you all, regardless of what lies are told by political strategists, uh, Brian Pallister in 2016 did not run on the base of a carbon tax whatsoever. Yeah. But he's he thinks he sees writing on the wall from the Trudeau government and better to do something and try to convince the courts that you're doing something than have something uh, something else that's way more injurious at a higher rate imposed by the Trudeau government. So uh, he had proposed a gr uh, so-called flat green levy, which I still don't understand how it was being, I don't know if it was being applied like a sales tax or what, that he said would save uh, people uh, a significant amount uh, over the Trudeau government levies if you could convince the courts that Manitoba, because of hydropower, isn't getting the kind of credit that the Trudeau government is giving other provinces with their own plans. And in that regard, Pallister's right. Trudeau doesn't, d does not acknowledge that we are a carbon sink in Manitoba and that, in fact, there should be no carbon tax here whatsoever. 100% uh, of the green levy will go back to Manitobans. I don't know how Pallister, he said that. I don't know how Pallister is paying for the administrative costs. Exactly. More hocus pocus. Uh, so he combined this. We're going to lower your taxes here. We're going to add a tax here. But he suspended that now. Uh, the, there's no plan to move forward with either the sales tax reduction right now, which is understandable because every store would have to re, you know, to retool their cash registers. Wouldn't make sense to do it now, anyways. I kind of understand that, uh, but he's not moving forward with the carbon tax, the provincial carbon tax either. Unlike our esteemed prime minister, who, as uh, a spending addict, uh, and uh, and as the, um, you know, the the crown prince of the uh, globalist movement. Yep. Is I saw one of these bills, and I don't know if it was from Saskatchewan or Alberta. It was probably from Alberta, where the amount of gas, the uh, natural gas they used, was like three hundred dollars, and the tax was four hundred. Yep. I have yet to meet a human being yep. who can justify this that the tax is more than the cost of the product, as though the product was something that kills people, poisons people. Meanwhile. Prime Minister announced that who gets to waddle up to the trough one more time 
how did he call him? The uh, he, he had a comment about to, to describe uh, Ralph Goodale. Oh the, Lord! What did he call Ralphie? Oh, I I try to avoid all Ralph Goodale the news. Expertise of Ralph Goodale. Good Lord! Yeah, he's, he's he's defeated, but he's back. He's got a new job. Nose right in the trough. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are a lot of liberals, uh, uh, federally and British, that have been keeping our mouths relatively shut yeah. during this period of time. And, uh, and they're doing the right thing because I think some of them are actually embarrassed by the ineptitude that's come out of Ottawa. The, 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 uh, the uh, failure to in, enact proper screening at customs at airports. Uh, Dr. Tam. Uh, Dr. Tam is, is, you know, just to my mind, obviously an apologist for the WHO. Yep. And the WHO is not to be trusted whatsoever. Uh, that's not conspiracy theory talking. That's those of us that value freedom and liberty and that value straight facts talking. And WHO, you know, is, has been way behind the curve on this for obvious political reasons from the beginning. Uh, and uh, as I said, a lot of liberals are, are keeping the lips zipped at this stage. Uh, there's a lot more political cooperation going on than, than you know, considering it's time of crisis than, than maybe we expected. The, the, you know, the, the volume's pretty loud in, in the Western Canada a lot of the time, the last, mm -hmm. certainly since the, going into the federal election and since. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, every day Justin Trudeau uh, comes out, takes direction in his ear from some, some unknown, uh, unknown producer uh, says very little. The reporters in Ottawa have just been not, I mean, the reporters in Ottawa aren't as good as the reporters in, in Manitoba, honestly, questioning our leader. Uh, uh, but uh, in the meantime, uh, that carbon tax going up is uh, how it isn't, you know, how it, this is, I'm sure the only government there's a, I, I can't imagine, I've not heard of another government that has raised the tax whether it's an automatic tax hike or invoking a new tax hike, I've not heard of another government on the planet. Yeah. I'll rephrase this. In a democracy on this planet, yeah. let alone not a democracy, that's raised the tax right now, but uh, Justin Trudeau finds a way. Well, not only raise the tax, raise the carbon tax, but give himself a raise right in the middle of it all, too. Just yes, which supposedly could. Them in New Zealand. Yeah. And uh, hardly a surprise given a, given the, the mentality of the government of New Zealand. Uh, it's... It's it's an awful thing that the 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 the, the modern day left will n cannot stop themselves from belling up to the trough. Cannot always has an excuse why taxpayers have to give more, but they don't. Yeah, everything and, is everything is an opportunity to either pat themselves on the back or line their pockets with yep, the modern absolutely. left. Absolutely. Uh, we are rapidly running out of time, so I wanted to give you an opportunity to tell us what you're doing next because uh, you've touched on just the sheer ineptitude of some of the uh, journalists around us in the mainstream media, and you are, I think, trying to create something that will fill that void and give people, regular people, a voice too. I've, I've had a lot of encouragement in this direction, especially in the last three weeks from some people that are out, you know, frankly, people that are pro have been prominent or are prominent in Winnipeg media and, and public affairs. Uh, and uh, for a variety of reasons, I've been slowed down uh, through the first part of, of this year, through the first quarter of this year, slowed down the activities. I'm still the editor of the J.ca. We're going to be putting a story out. There's been a terrific price exacted by the COVID-19 virus on the Jewish 
uh, on the, the Jewish religious leadership, and, and I'm not going to lie, a lot of this is the fault of the practices of those religious communities and continuing to congregate in great numbers as is spread in, in places in Europe and in New York City, for instance, going so far as to defy orders, uh, you know, orders not to have these gatherings. Uh, uh, but the the number of of rabbis, and these are very these are learned rabbis. These aren't guys churned out by some of the North American yeshivas, you know, that are uh, you know a little less uh, of the book study and a little more of philosophy. These are like really revered authors and and thinkers, people who are experts in Judaism and in the function of Jews in the modern world. And there's been a tremendous toll. Um, in the 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 uh, Lubavitcher and the other uh, religious sects, the the ultra religious, the Black Hatters, so to speak, yeah. uh, not my family's tradition. This is you know further out from from us. Uh, so we're going to be putting out a story about that and trying to file a story about once a week uh, on the J.ca. Uh, continue to do to do that uh, that kind of work. Um, but uh, a few years ago, and I think this is when I first might have come on your your radar, so to speak. Yep. So when I was doing City Circus, which was the only program on Shaw TV uh, that really dealt with community affairs, public affairs. Uh, uh, I think there's one program like it in Vancouver. Uh, I'm trying to Vaughn. Trying to remember the name of the guy. There's like one show like Vaughn Palmer. Yeah. yeah. And and nobody does this kind of stuff. And and Shaw TV, the other broadcasters, they don't like that. They yeah. don't like people doing news coverage because they own the news stations. They own the right. other networks. They yeah. don't want anybody competing and exposing the, how crappy newscasts are, worried yeah. about ribbon cuttings and feel-good stories, and not so much about real news. So what I'm doing is I'm reviving City Circus. Uh, there's uh, going to be a YouTube ch – there is a YouTube channel. I've just never uploaded a video to it. I smartly reserved it and forgot about it a few years ago. Uh, I'm going to put on a newsletter. People can will be able to subscribe. I'm struggling with MailChimp as we tape this, but hopefully it will be solved for, for Thursday morning. Uh, I'm going to have one exclusive story to start with every day or every uh, every issue. I'm going to try to put them out every three days. Um, and I've got some contributors that are going to provide opinion pieces, uh, their own experiences in the community, and see how it expands from there. Uh, I'd be happy to do, in particular for Manitoba, plugs for people's businesses and such, fit it in. But I want to do something that's unusual in this market. There are no newsletters uh, going out. You can't go out to Robin's Donuts or Tim Hortons and pick a newsletter up now, really. Yeah. You know, so even if I was in the fit, I've done physical newsletters in the past like that. Uh, but even if you're doing them, you, you don't really have the distribution now. So I'm going to start it online. I'm going to augment it in between the newsletters with uh, videos like this, except I won't be talking to you. Um, I've already had a city councilor volunteer to be interviewed. Which is right back in the wheelhouse of what I did on City Circus TV yep. on Shaw from 2012 to 20, uh, I guess it was 2016, I think it was, uh, September 2016. Um, so the, the videos will be about, uh, you know, different issues that have come up, items. And my first story uh, that uh, I've got, ex you know, exclusive details of, uh, on March 20th, a Winnipeg cab driver was murdered. And uh, as you're aware, and many of my followers are, I drove cab for off and on for about 15 years. My father drove cab until his until he passed away from the time the family pot business uh, 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 collapsed. Uh, he became a cab driver, and I ended up driving cab. Uh, and uh, I was a labor representative, a safety representative on a provincial workplace safety and health committee. Uh, driver was murdered. Uh, uh, Valver Tour, 44 year old. 
The media reported that there had been an arrest and that uh, a fellow named Okoth Obeying had been arrested and charged with second-degree homicide and uh, four counts of breaching conditions. Not one Winnipeg newsroom, all these professional paid journalists, some of them are on the taxpayers' payroll, not one of them reported what kind of conditions was he breaching? What is the background of this alleged killer? I have dug into his background. He was on quite a streak from about Christmas till this incident on Burroughs Avenue with a cab with its emergency light on the doors flung open and a driver dying, bleeding to death after being stabbed in the cab at 5.30 in the morning. Uh, I am going to be putting out a story about the accused, about his background, which also goes back into what appears to be interesting affiliations and activities uh, straight out of high school, which rhymes with straight out of Compton with this mm -hmm. guy. And makes this you wonder, Sorry, makes you wonder why he was out on the street at all on yep. conditions. He's the Absolutely. kind of guy who doesn't seem like he would abide by them after a lifetime of being a walking human crime spree. Uh, the, the pullover, he was pulled over in a vehicle and uh, before this... Uh, murder and uh, uh, you know when you put all the pieces together um, it, it, it it's the kind of information the public has a right to know that the yeah. driver's family Duffy's taxi owners and drivers have a right to know they do not know it because nobody else is bothered reporting it I guess that's going to be my job again yeah I'm going to do that I'm going to have an interview with a city councilor I've got another story that I'll be working on with regards to more ineptitude coming uh, uh, from Mayor Bowman uh, the uh, ongoing ticketing of nurses and people that work at healthcare facilities because you've got vultures. There's nobody parked in downtown Winnipeg. So now the parking authority, uh, they used to be commissioners, these, these uh, I don't, what, what do you call them? Meter you know, maids. Meter maids. <laughs> these glorified meter maids are like vultures waiting to prey on people, including nurses and journalists. And this is unconscionable. Nobody in Winnipeg media is going to take on Mayor Bowman about it. I guess it's going to be up to me. So this is the kind of coverage I'm going to provide with City Circus for, you know, next for a few foreseeable months. And uh, and we'll see how that goes. And if people want to get a hold of me, MartyGoldLive at gmail.com. I'll add you to the email list. And then through MailChimp, you'll be able to, to you know, send it around, add other people. Um, uh, and uh, I'm just, I'm hoping to be able to do my part to contribute uh, information back into the community. There's so many reporters that either, you know, they're not used to working from home. They aren't used to not taking orders in a newsroom. They, uh, they're saddled with all these COVID related stories. And I respect that they've got their assignments, right. but there's a lot of news that's slipping through the cracks. Like this story from Flin Flon should have been reported in the media, Yeah, for instance, and wasn't, that's the kind of gap I'm going to fill. People want to be able to contribute one way or the other, keep the lights on and the internet working. I'll, I'll, I'll of course, uh, provide a link for that. And hopefully I'll be back on with you at the end of uh, April. Sure. And uh, give you a further update on uh, all things COVID and non-COVID from Winnipeg and from Manitoba. Marty, I want to thank you so much. Uh, when you come on the show, you make my job pretty easy because I just sit here and listen to the news just uh, blast me a, in the face. <laughs> it means a lot to me to be able to be, you know, if there's one thing somebody mentioned to me, if there's one mistake maybe that I that that I made or one thing I could have done differently is I should have talked with a little more with 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 Ezra and the powers that be about about uh, actively being, a, you know, a correspondent for the rebel, because now you've got nobody in Manitoba. It's not so easy to send Keen or somebody else here. 
But be that as it may, if there's something that I can contribute to Rebel, uh, to uh, the Rebel from here at this stage, I'll do it. Uh, and uh, and uh, I'll do it, you know, through my own channel as well. Yeah. We need more media coverage, not less. Uh, you saw the free press bleeding about uh, uh, lack of support that the Stephen Jabot is lying about. Yeah. You know what? People like us, we don't want government money. Yeah. We don't need government money. We want to be able to report on government honestly. We want to be able to hold the government to account. That is not a job that all reporters really see as their role, and that's fine. But somebody's got to do it. It's up to people like us. And I appreciate the opportunity I have to appear on your program and 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 to be able to address the rebel audience and to hear back from them on on Twitter at TGCTS, yeah. uh, my former uh, program, the Great Canadian Talk Show, the acronym for that. Uh, and I can be found on Facebook too, etc. And the more in touch I can be with people, the better off. Um, you know, the quality of my reporting is both for the J and for now for the revival uh, of City Circus. Much to my surprise, uh, out from the ashes, but I found the old logo, so I might as well use it. <laughs> well, Marty, I want to thank you so much for being so generous with your time. We'll have you on the show. I've got you down for the end of April. Uh, best of luck in your new venture, and I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you. Sheila, I'll add you actually the mailing list now that I think Please. of it, and you'll be able to distribute it as well. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you, and my best regards and best wishes to... Uh, all the fans and the, the subscribers uh, and viewers of uh, of The Rebel, this is an important service that's being provided to the Canadian public, oh, especially at a time like this. Thank you. Marty, stay safe and stay healthy. strange and unprecedented times and I'm afraid to say we couldn't have a worse equipped leader in Ottawa to deal with all of this. Trudeau does not know how to inspire and reach out to the business community to produce the things that Canada needs to have to fight the spread of the coronavirus. Trudeau doesn't understand what employers need right now to keep more of their employees on the payroll through all of this and Trudeau definitely doesn't understand what families need to get through any of this. Trudeau's holed up like a hermit in a hovel while the nation descends into crisis. And thank goodness for the people of Manitoba that their conservative government realized that a carbon tax would rob what little money families have left. Now, if you at home want to support our petition calling on Justin Trudeau to stop his cruel and inhumane carbon tax during this pandemic and, you know, always, please go to stopthecarbontax.com. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. Please stay healthy. Please stay connected to the people you love. Reach out to those around you, not physically, however. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.